What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Today is another solo dolo episode as Chris is ramping up to head to Atlanta and see if the Cavs can push their winning streak even further. But before I get ahead of myself, I have to reminisce on the outpouring of effort that we saw from the Cavs tonight. I'm not surprised by the win with Giannis being out for the Bucks, but man, I was not expecting a 40-point blowout. Chris and I talked in our last podcast about how tightly contested the Eastern Conference is, and after Wednesday's win, the Cavs are two games back from second place, three games back from third, and seven games back from first in the East. Not to mention, the Cavs play the Bucks two more times to end the month of January. Those games are in Milwaukee. Obviously, that'll be a tougher test, and Giannis will more than likely want revenge for this loss. But it's only right to take in the moment, especially on a day when the Cavs got news that the East was getting even tougher with Pascal Siakam being traded to the Indiana Pacers. I want to get into some numbers from tonight's thrashing of Milwaukee. On the personal front, George Niang had a career-high 33 points and tied the Cavs' single-game record for highest field goal percentage on 13 attempts or more at 92.9%. He's tied with Brad Doherty, who did it in 1992, and Elmore Smith, who did it in 1977. They all shot 13 of 14 from the field. Not to mention, Isaac Okoro also racked up a career-high seven assists. All right, enough of the personal talk. From the team perspective, they had the highest field goal percentage of the season with 59.1%. They tied for the second most points this season with 135 points. They had the most assists of the season with 36. They had the most points in the paint this season with 74. And had their most fast break points with 33 since November 5th, 2016 against the 76ers. We had thought we'd seen the Cavs play a full game when they torched the Wizards by 39. And to have a better offensive night in nearly every category against the Bucks is a wild statement. And this Milwaukee team, even without Giannis, is nothing to snuff at. But the Cavs met all of their keys to make it a tough one. Dean Wade was able to hold Chris Middleton to two points on one of ten shooting. He ended the game with a plus-minus of negative 40, while Dean Wade ended the night with a plus-minus of positive 40 to accompany his five points, three rebounds, and a steal. And I know we like to talk about how Dean Wade doesn't score as much as some of the fans would like him to, but his defensive prowess and being able to stop Chris Middleton was crucial in tonight's win. Speaking of defense... Isaac Okoro was tasked with slowing down Damian Lillard, especially with Giannis being out. That task got even harder. And to be completely honest, Dame looked rattled 
in Wednesday's game with Isaac Guardian. He totaled 17 points on a lackluster 7-for-20 shooting and only 1-of-5 from beyond the arc. Dame is also known for getting to the free throw line, but only reached the charity stripe for three attempts on the night. He hit two of those. You could see him talking to the refs about some no calls during timeouts and especially before halftime. Isaac not only did what he does on the defensive end, but he also contributed heavily on the offensive end as a facilitator, notching a career-high seven assists, as I mentioned before, along with 10 points, a steal, and a block. He had a plus-minus of 37 when it was all said and done. This was not a measuring stick game by any means, as the Cavs are missing players and the Bucks are missing a huge piece in Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Chris and I have reiterated on multiple occasions the importance of taking advantage of winnable opportunities, especially in a heavily competitive Eastern Conference as of late. This means that a conference win is even more valuable, especially against a top-tier team like the Bucks. It can go a long way. They are now 1-1 in the season series with two more games this month. Now, for the fans that have been complaining about Craig Porter Jr. not getting playing time, he saw minutes tonight in a backup role, mainly because Karis LeVert was playing with a sore wrist and seemed not fully comfortable handling the rock as the backup point guard. So Craig stepped back into his backup point guard role and played nearly 20 minutes, putting up nine points, two rebounds, and two assists. I've gone around the block on players who played a major impact in the win, but I need to make sure I get to these two. First up, Donovan Mitchell. It's expected of him to be an offensive weapon on a nightly basis, and he showcased that with 31 points and has continuously grown in his facilitating with seven assists as he stepped into that point guard role with Darius Garland being out, and he only had one turnover tonight. But the most glaring portion of Donovan's game as of late has been something you don't believe teams are scheming for as much with players like Dean Wade and Isaac Okoro on the defensive end. But Donovan's defense has been incredible. On the season, he's second to just Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the steals per game category. And Donovan racked up three more against the Bucks that led to easy fast break points and led to the fun that was so highly talked about post-game. There is a joy that these players are playing with. There was a moment where the Nassus Antetokounmpo blocked Donovan at the rim and had a little bit of celebration while being down by 30 or more points. But the Cavs got the ball back and quickly outletted it to Donovan, who promptly slammed it home and hung on the rim long enough to point back at the Nassus and give him a little wink. Just like a reminder that you've got to remember who I am and who you are. There's levels to this. And the bench obviously went insane. And that was only one of the many moments that happened that got the crowd and the bench riled up. A lot of those moments were created by the last person I'm going to talk about for this game. They showed a commercial during the game of George Niang allowing the fans to get to know him. Apparently, he scored 2,000 points in both high school and college which is an extraordinary feat. But it seemed like George tapped into the fountain of youth in tonight's game as he had a career-high 
33 points on 13 of 14 shooting and 5 of 6 from 3-point range. He had some massive celebrations and screams that had the rocket rocking. But my favorite part was post-game when he mentioned knowing that his one field goal miss of the night on a step-back corner three was unlike him, and he locked back in. Not that the shot couldn't have gone in, but that the shot that he took was not something that he would take in a regular scenario. He missed one shot, and it snapped him back to reality, and he didn't miss for the remainder of the night. I do have to be the guy to point out that he also missed a free throw, so he only missed two shots the entire evening. But that's enough on this game, and I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to get into why this team has been able to sustain success with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland out. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Let us know how long you think this winning streak will continue. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The Cavs are 11-3 since the news of their two starters being sidelined for a month or more was announced on December 15th, and many around the league had considered them a lost cause. Instead, they have lost just one game in the month of January and are radiating a contagious energy that is filled with an abundance of joy. They are not only fun to watch, but to cover, and I don't ever take it for granted. And I don't think the Cavs take the group that they have for granted either. George Niang talked after the game after his career-high 33-point night in just 27 minutes played about this group genuinely liking each other. And Donovan Mitchell, after dropping 31 points in just 26 minutes, mentioned that even when the Cavs are in a rough stretch, it's still easy to come to work. And when the Cavs have struggled, it's been noticeable that they'll reflect on what happened that night for that night. But when they return to the court the next day for practice or shoot around or what have you, the team is back to its light and goofy self. They're making jokes with each other, some about how little Max Strew smiles, some around Isaac Okoro's goofy and bubbly personality, and all others. George Niang compared it to the NFL teams who have struggled during the playoffs and insinuated how they've sometimes been divided based on outcomes of games. It came off as there's no worry of that happening with this Cavs team. Obviously, being on a six-game winning streak and being 11-3 since the announcement of 40% of your starting lineup was going to be out for a month or longer shocked the NBA and had teams thinking you were dead to rights can help with that. But as someone who's had the opportunity to be around this club with the good and the bad and the ugly, the bad days never seem to last, and the team never seems to get too high after a win. Donovan Mitchell said that he hated to be the guy that doesn't live in the wins for too long, but he knows how important it is to keep going and be consistent 
and even keeled, referencing that everyone on the roster knows the expectations surrounding this season and this team. And the only way to do that is by continuing to move forward, no matter the outcome. My favorite quote from the day came from George Niang. He said, I'm no fool to this game, so you have to have amnesia. Like, this moment is awesome. I'm super happy, but we have a huge stretch coming up. We have bigger things to look forward to. This team plays the Hawks, Magic, Bucks twice, Clippers, and the Pistons to round out the month. As quickly as their success has come, it can change. I think the floor for this team to end the month is two and four, and I think the ceiling is three and three. This is probably the most pessimistic prediction I've shared for this team, but with all but two of these games being on the road and playing teams that are not only playing well, but also have lineups that can pose to be difficult for the Cavs, I think this is a realistic prediction with the current lineup. Let's say Darius Garland is able to return before the month ends. That could change some things, so we'll just have to wait and see. But if this team continues to have the joy and the ability to hold each other accountable, I don't think they should be counted out from any game. This team has grown so much since the beginning of the season. They've been able to change their offensive and defensive schemes based on the lineups that they had, and it feels like this group is only going in the right direction and doing it together, which is a huge thing in the NBA and a huge thing with team camaraderie. The adjustments that they've made, the adjustments that J.B. Bickerstaff has made to help this team get to where it is, has been notable. And I think that not only fans have taken notice to it, but I think upper management as well. Because we all knew coming into this season what we were expecting from Donovan Mitchell, what we were expecting from the team, and what could possibly happen with J.B. Bickerstaff in the head coaching position if they didn't live up to expectations. Obviously, with all the injuries that have happened, some of those things might have changed and they could wait till next year to make those decisions. But obviously, some things change in the course of a season and we'll have to wait and see what happens during this playoff run. And if the Cavs can stay above the seventh seed and just be in the playoffs rather than having to get through the play in tournament to get there. There's a lot of things that still have to happen. We're not at the trade deadline yet. We're not at the halfway point yet. We haven't gotten to the all-star break, all of those things. So we can't make certain predictions just yet. But that's the beauty of this game. There's so many things that can change. There's so many things that can alter. And it's all about how teams and their coaching staffs can adjust on the fly. And the Cavs have shown the ability to make adjustments and deal with adversity in the best way, with a smile. And I think that's all they really can ask for. And with that going along with a whole lot of wins as of late, I think the Cavs are happy. But they know that they got to keep going to get to their ultimate goal. And we'll just have to see how far they can get. With all that being said, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.